The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales. Episode 28, Witch's Hat Trick, Part 1. spades, Mara thought. That was her, all right. Or at least it was herself deep down. Not too deep, really, she amended. She just hadn't shown her true self and what she was capable of yet. Time for that to change. What did they say in old American cartoons and films? Oh, yes. No more Mr. Nice Guy. She'd show them. She'd spin a tale that would affect them all. She'd get her own back on Jack and that wretched pilot for stealing her egg. She'd get the egg back, and she'd even deal a blow to Isabel as well, just for being on their side. And then they'd help her get home, begging to be released from a world that had her in it. Death Displacement and despair, not necessarily in that order, but that would be the order of the day. She might even try something on moot by and by. She didn't like worlds that didn't do her bidding, but she'd have to be careful there. While she could throw something at the others so they wouldn't know what hit them, she had underestimated their host before and she suspected that Moot was perfectly capable of taking her by surprise, for all it seemed devoid of imagination. She hated surprises. She looked at her basket of soul eggs, still enraged about the loss of Kosche. Then she started spinning and weaving. This would be fun, deadly fun. She wasn't going to get too metaphorical about the setting for her story, either. She'd have her guests come to her house. When the rest of the companions signed on, there was a collective gasp. It wasn't only Lucas who knew immediately where they were from the description. Welcome to my home, friends. We've passed nearly half the year now in various phases of lockdown telling stories, and I saw no reason to maintain the charade of an alias any longer. Especially since I am sure our quick and clever pilot would have tuned you into my true identity. I am Baba Yaga. You are guests of the hut on chicken legs and I have drawn the queen, a powerful card and I intend to play it to full advantage. All three tried to message into the private channel. When that failed, they tried to sign off. They needed to plan and regroup. They couldn't. It was as if the app had locked or crashed, but really everything else had crashed around the teller's will. Ah, 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 none of that, my little pigeons. I control the horizontal and the vertical, as the intro to the old sci-fi show put it. 
while you are here, you are my captive audience. Do help yourselves to tea and fancy, she said, describing an elaborately set meal and a samovar that scowled and hunched as it steamed away, like an old-fashioned henchman. But don't be surprised if certain things here bite you back. I like my food to labor under the illusion of being able to put up a fight. No one availed themselves of the proffered hospitality. I am going to tell you a story well known in my homeland, except I've been studying tales from the West as well, particularly those of Irish and Scottish origin, mixed up here and there though they seem to be. One big Celtic knot tied by a two-headed snake that doesn't know whether it's coming or going. That King of Ireland's son certainly crosses the Mull of Kintyre like it's a big puddle, doesn't he? Gets around, that boy. She described some of her eggs, which were arranged before the companions. Not all of my eggs contain the soul of a person or the essence of an entity. Sometimes they contain the essence of a world an entire kingdom in an egg. Sometimes they contain time rather than space, an era of history so that I can play what if with outcomes. In this case, we are dealing with three eggs first, signifying the kingdoms of copper, silver, and gold. Once there was a czar and Tsarina who had six fine sons, princes worthy of their birthright all. The Tsar was happy with his family. He felt his bloodline was secure and the land would be in good hands after he died, regardless of who reigned. The Tsarina, though, she was dissatisfied. She had always wanted a girl. She looked out over the palace gardens from her balcony. She saw a lake like blue glass with swans swimming on it, yellow daisies and poppies. Oh, she said, I would cast all my sons to the four winds. They could become as homeless birds of the air and beasts of the field. If only I could have a daughter with eyes as blue as the pond, skin as white as the swan's feathers, and grace as great as that lovely bird, hair yellow like the sun-kissed daisies, cheeks red as poppies, and eyes as dark as their centers. Then would I be truly happy. Fate hears such foolishness, and not long after, the queen was delivered of a daughter who promised to possess all those attributes and more favor besides. Her parents called her Elena. Her sons, too, were dealt with, but instead of being cast to the mercy of the four winds, only one wind came for the sons, the daughter, and the Tsarina as well, leaving the Tsar mad with grief. Whirlwind carried the queen to his own lair, three of the sons to a peasant woman's house, the other three to impossible kingdoms that were at once underground and at the tops of high mountains, and the girl to a little old woman in a hut on chicken legs, not unlike this one. As they were separated, each of the brothers cursed their young sister, taking something from her as they disappeared. One took her death, another took her voice, another her heart,
and the others robbed her of her heritage, destiny, and reflection. They left her only her shadow as testament that she was actually able to make a fleeting impression in the world at all, and her memory so that she never forgot what others had that she did not, so that her loss was made real for her anew every day. She would be unable to love, speak, or have any sense of belonging. She would be feared as a thing undead among the living because she would have no reflection like a vampire. She would never speak, have no future, and never know where she came from. And as if all this potential heartache wasn't enough, she would never die, but would make her way through the world reliving her misery without end. With all his family gone, or at least all those he felt mattered, given that his young daughter was now cursed beyond any visible future marriage prospects, the Tsar retreated into grief and left the girl to her self-appointed guardian. As far as Whirlwind was concerned, the girl was supposed to end up the crone's slave, not her favored ward. Instead, she ended up very much in the care of a little old woman, a crafty hag with strong magical abilities. The Tsar half-heartedly commanded some of his boyars to look for his daughter, even though he blamed her for his sorrow. His men journeyed through the woods beyond the thrice-tenth kingdom in seemingly fruitless search, and they soon abandoned it, having lost heart by the time they reached the edge of their lord's own forests. The stalwart heroes lost their heads as well, come to that. The witch had a few empty fence posts, and the heroes expired, their lives having been essentially pointless, but their deaths not so much. The teller paused to see if her decidedly clever pun got an appreciative reaction. Silence. She sighed and continued. <sighs> Despite the girl's many deficits, she proved to be a quick learner and was very helpful to the old woman, both as a servant and a magical apprentice. After some years, the old woman told her she could go out and seek her way in the world. Destiny is one thing, little pigeon, fortune another. They didn't think to take that or luck away from you. You are, for all intents and purposes, immortal. Go forth and discover the fate of your brothers and your mother, and perhaps you will regain some of what was taken from you. I have taught you power. I will give you some of the luck of this house to take with you. She gave the girl three hinged eggs, copper, silver, and gold. The copper one was etched with the tracings of faucets and taps. The silver one looked like it was made of silver brocade, and the gold one was embossed with the pattern of a tent. The copper egg contains a samovar, which will give you sustaining food and drink anytime you need it. The silver egg will give you warm or beautiful clothes, depending on whether you need to fight your way through a snowdrift or impress your way onto a guest list at a ball. The golden egg will envelop you in immediate shelter while hiding you from sight. The girl took the three eggs in a basket, put on her swiftest pair of bespelled boots, and wrapped herself in a cloak, the underside of which doubled as a map wherever she was, warning her of coming obstacles or dangers. 
the last thing the old woman gave her was a little spindle that would roll along the ground with thread that wouldn't end until she had been everywhere she needed to go. From one cursed soul to another child, go with my blessing, whatever it's worth, the old woman said. The old woman's generosity was calculated. Years ago, she had caused the blood curse from the mother's foolish oath, which led to the loss of the girl's family and the hardships laid upon her, and which ultimately resulted in her entering the witch's service and training. Whirlwind was a blowhard, but he had proven useful with logistics, scattering the family far and wide in enmity. She wanted to see whether her careful mentoring had borne fruit. The girl traveled through the woods following the rolling spindle, which let out its thread in front and gathered it up behind, until she came to a huge old tree that had been cleft by a lightning strike. It was hollow in the center and appeared to have been petrified so that it resembled a cave more than a tree. She entered and traveled down into a vast subterranean realm. It was very dark, but underground the spindle glowed with light as it rolled. When she was tired and hungry, she used the samovar and the copper egg to refresh herself, the silver egg to give her beautifully embroidered quilted clothing to stay warm, and the golden egg to create an invisible tent to shelter in. After several days, she came within sight of a huge greenish coppery mountain, and she started to climb wearing her swift boots. As she went, Burnished scaly copper claws with a grip like iron came up out of the ground and clutched at her, slowing her progress. At last she arrived at the summit and there she saw a copper palace, the gates of which were guarded by many copper dragons, obviously the owners of the claws that had tried to hinder her way. She also saw a copper dipper on a chain above a fountain. She cast a spell on the water before giving it to the beasts, and they all fell sound asleep. Soon she was greeted by the young lord of the castle. Who are you, and why are you come into my domain? he asked. The girl, of course, did not answer, because she could not. Ah, sister, you whose birth deprived all your brothers of their birthrights, welcome. You've come for something I took from you, your voice. I suppose you'll be wanting it back. Take it, if you can. The young man shapeshifted into a shrike, a carnivorous songbird, except that he was as large as a bird of prey. He began to trill a beautiful hypnotizing melody as he rose into the air and lunged for his sister's silent throat. Do you feel lucky? Do you think Elena feels lucky? Baba Yaga asked her listeners. Let's see. The Decameron shuffled, king of spades. Oh, this just gets better and better. I'm on fire. See you soon, maybe sooner than next week. But I'll let you catch your breath for now, mortals. Baba Yaga, the witch never again bothering to be known as Mara Darkmage, signed off. The hut on chicken legs was described as disappearing and the three friends' location defaulted to a table in the starting glass tavern. Suddenly, they all received a message from Moot. It read, 
set user ID equals two capital C, two lowercase f, two lowercase f, three, five. What does that mean? Isabel asked. Looks like Moot is giving us a magic egg of our own, an Easter egg of sorts, said Jack. You mean like a hidden script in a game that runs or reveals something? Or a secret reference? Lucas asked. Yep, Jack confirmed. It's a console command of some kind. It basically says, set user to moot. I don't know why, and I can't say I entirely trust it, but it looks like moot is giving us enhanced access, letting us into another part of this world through a back door. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful, storied place, the ancestral lands of the Snamuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.